Welcome to the We as Citizens podcast. Here is your host, Christina Crowley. Welcome to the podcast. Today I have with me Dominique Bouchard. She is an authorist, a futurist. She's a creator, a speaker, and she's also an entrepreneur. She's a very multifaceted woman, and I'm, I'm so happy to have you with us today. Welcome, Dominique. Thank you very much, Christina. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What would you like me to begin with? The career or the personal? Well, where were you born? Yes, I, I was born in France and I studied uh, in Paris uh, for a while. And then I, I had the opportunity to uh, move to Montreal, Canada, went to Montreal University um, and started a Jewish doctor degree. And then I met uh, someone and uh, moved into the U.S. and finished my Juris Doctor degree in 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 uh, in the U.S. Obviously, and um, uh, after that went into the entertainment industry and worked as a producer, as a director. Uh, started writing scripts, um, basically produced uh, seven independent films and uh, began to really love writing. And some of the ideas I had lended themselves to books. And so I moved into the novels, science fiction, science facts arena, where I am today. That's exciting because... When we were introduced, uh, you were described as a futurist. Explain to us what that means. A futurist is basically someone who is looking at the trends over the horizon. And, you know, life has many facets. And as we evolve into what I would call a digital revolution, as everybody knows today, we're moving totally to a digital infrastructure. Um, I look at the things that are happening that will change the way we evolve as individual and also as a society uh, with our businesses or with our personal lives. And it tends to be from anything that has to do with technology, with science, with innovations, or, uh, everything that relates to our lifestyles. And so um, ethical consideration because of my Juris doctor background, my legal background is a very big issue. What are we gonna do with AI? How are we going to handle the transformation? Uh, what is robotic going to bring us into the future? How do we handle, handle implants? Because we're gonna have some um so on and so forth so it, it's it's a huge world out there uh, what is what is, are do you have any special uh specialties or any special uh area that you concentrate in mostly the legal side of uh, ethical and moral consideration as to how do we transform um not only our environment to a digital world, but really digital world where, you know, we're gonna have our domestic bot doing a lot of things for us in homes, where we are going to have drones delivering anything from a pizza to even furniture maybe. <laughs> you know, eventually that's exactly what's gonna happen. To, um, to um, 
how do we deal with for the first time in history we are ready to you know transform ourselves in other words the science and the technology is there we are we are looking at genetic engineering uh crisp CRISPR is, is a perfect example of a different evolution of us as we start tweaking our DNA. And so um, I look at all that and because I write science fiction and fantasy, um, it, it's not only you know, the ethical things that we have to deal with, it's also the physical changes that are going to, uh, to affect us as we move with global warming and the planet, as we deal with uh, the, the evolution of our species, as we consider new, um, new infrastructure to deal with our lifestyles. So uh, I go from manufacturing to transportation to whatever because I do the research and I look at how this is going to evolve. Let's say our smart cities of the future are not gonna be the type of cities that we see today. Uh, our farming is going to be hydroponics because we need to save our lands and uh, you know, basically protect our environment because we are gonna have to fight global warming and some of the effects that it has on all of us. It's, it's not just one area, it's global, economy-wise and you know, physically-wise with our forests and the fires or with the, the hurricanes that we see getting more violent and more uh, coming to, to, uh, to land more often, so. And I think anybody listening to this may think that it's considered, because you do write sci-fi, that it might be out of the realm of real i'm air quoting real but it's not because i know in doing my research over getting to know you getting to know about futurists amazon wants to start dropping off packages by drones and you talked about crispering and that has to do with the vaccine that we're getting now for covid it's real new cutting-edge stuff Exactly. And, and, you know, the, the interesting thing is that we, we're so busy with our lives, you know, we, we go to work, we pay our bills, we take care of our families, and so on, that we don't really spend a lot of time thinking about what these changes are going to, um, to do to not only us as individual, but as family structure in the workplace, and as a society. And that's where I spend my time. So while I write science fiction, um, it's based on science facts. And also it is, you know, it's not a, an idle saying when we say science fiction and science facts are the same. Think about it, 15 years ago, we didn't think about driverless cars. We have them today. And we, we see them in the street of Las Vegas and they're going to be just about everywhere. And so when, when we look at our transformation in, in science and all the things we can today accomplish that we were not able to accomplish 25 years ago or 30 years ago, it's incredible. And while it creates immense opportunities, it also 
you know, brings some challenges along the way. And you being a lawyer and understanding the legal uh, ramifications of some of these things, I know somebody like me who I don't specialize in in thinking about the future in any of those kinds of things. My past has been in the financial industry. It hasn't been in uh, looking ahead to the developments. And so I think somebody like me, um, I hope that there's somebody like you who's a specialist to kind of look out towards these ethical things so that we don't have, you know, that dilemma of, for lack of a, of a way to put it, a bad scenario of big business taking over, doing things that are bad just to make some money. Is where to, what, t- talk about that a little bit. Well, we see it right now, actually. Uh, lots of big companies are uh, doing everything they can to minimize a financial impact on a tax basis or, and it's not that it, it is bad, but everything needs a balance, right? We need to be able to make money, pay taxes, and put some of the money back into the economy so that everybody benefits from it. And the cycle needs to be absolutely, um, I wouldn't say flawless because nothing is flawless, but uh, fluid would be a better word. And when you don't have that, you find yourself in a place where we are today, uh, globally even, because it's not just the US, it's, it's everywhere um, that the same, um, philosophy of doing business is happening. And, and really, realistically speaking, why should we allow that to happen when every single one of us has a vested interest in seeing everybody participating in some way to the degree that they can in a balanced way. Uh, so um, I think that's a, that's a huge thing. And it comes from initially regulations. We've let the corporate world get away with a lot. And maybe now it's time to pull back and say, wait a minute, we're gonna put some more, uh, some more uh, efficiencies of scale to allow for you to make money, but also contribute the way you should contribute. Because it's kind of a pay now or pay later. And I think if they're not, if they're getting the tax breaks, this is my own personal opinion, um, then we, the citizens, are giving them those tax breaks to make that, uh, that gain. And that kind of, we're all paying for that in a way. That's kind of. Absolutely. And, and, and think about it this way. Go back about 10 years ago when we used to deal with customer service. We used to have a lot of companies having great customer service people. And we used to call up and they would help us with whatever problems. Well, what we've seen happen, also due to COVID obviously, because we all have made substantial changes along the way in the last year, uh, is that the companies are no longer answering the phone. It was happening a little bit before COVID too. We have now emails to uh, pull in complaints or to ask questions. And we have chatbots who are now more or less answering some of our questions on the internet. Although, you know, the AIs are gonna become better and better at it. But five years from now, you will not have another person at the end of a phone call. You're gonna have an AI. So all these changes 
that are going to affect not only our personal lives, but our business lives have to be looked at as to how far do we go? Is it gonna to be totally impossible to get an answer? Are we going to be living more in a corporate kind of state where this is what the corporations are willing to do and we no longer have a voice? Um, I see that happening more and more, even in my dealing with my personal things. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. What is the one thing that you can foresee? I mean, customer service is one thing and we've all seen that. What is something that maybe we won't expect um, that somebody like I wouldn't foresee, but you see it's on the horizon and it's coming. Is there an example? There are many examples um, um, that I can think of that I see 75 or 80 years from now, even 50 years from now. Um, in transportation, we're gonna have airways. And so the airways are gonna change. We're gonna have that based probably on a, um, our ability to afford certain things, um, whether it's a personal car flying in an airway according to certain rules and new regulations and so on, or for some of us that are not gonna be able to afford it, we'll just have a driverless car on the road in the same way we do today. But um, I see, uh, think about what Elon Musk is doing right now with all the space uh, effort that they're developing. It's not just because there are new opportunity, but there is also very much, I ask myself the question all the time, is it because really we're gonna be in such a bad state due to the planet that we need to have other opportunity to evolve elsewhere? That's a very big question. Some scientists are saying yeah, we are way past the tipping point. And so if we're looking at what the planet is going to be like 20 years from now, unless we make some radical, and I mean radical drastic changes for our environment, um, we may not have the ability to live outdoors. You know, or we may have such a heat wave that it's impossible to spend time the way we used to, you know, going through hikes and entering the beach and, and, and doing the things that we love to do as human beings, getting together and playing volleyball or, you know, outside, you know, or whatever. And so, yeah, I, I look at the future in so many ways. And um, I think it's exciting. On the one hand, I think that, as I said, there is a lot of opportunities to make our lives better, easier. But I also see that there are a lot of challenges that will confront us because we're going to need to put certain parameters. And right now, honestly, when we look at the state of our world and in the US, especially right now, it's an upheaval. It's in complete upheaval and, and we have to make a change on that. Do you think technology such as email, such as phones, such as computers, do you think it's going to make life safer or more, uh, and I don't want to say dangerous, but more volatile? I think we're going to put some, some, some uh, 
factors that will allow for more security and more safety. I think we are seeing how much more difficult things are right now because we're not used to it, because we do not have yet an AI that is going to implement things on an infrastructure basis in a way to help us. So for people who are not used to technology today, they get bypassed. They're like, I don't understand it. I give up. I don't know what to do. And they need outside help. Um, for those of us who keep up, there will be a point where the AI will implement things for us on our behalf in a much simpler way. We'll just say, hey, this is what I need and the implementation will come. Um, that is for you know, uh, people capable of uh, obviously affording some of these things um, because there will be, I think, um, a point where certain things are gonna be given because that's the way society is going to evolve. And then obviously like we have today, there will be levels to which we can access by a question of affordability, unfortunately. You, you put this really interesting futuristic uh, into your books, future, the, being able to be a futurist into your books. Tell us a little bit about that. That must be a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun because there's no rules. <laughs> you get to make all the rules. You get to make the environment. And so I spend a lot of time um, building the world that I see, uh, creating a new world, creating new facets of our world, uh, implementing certain things that do not exist. So there's a little bit of fantasy, but it's, it is it is based on science and, and some facts uh, as to where our technology is leading us. And uh, yeah, creating, uh, creating a whole world building environment that allows us to maybe look at, is there a better way to do things? Do we have the chance to redefine what is currently happening in our society to make it better or to avoid some of the pitfalls that will come along the way. And, you know, like anything, you know, you're reading a book, you're reading fiction, so it has to have some drama. So you put the drama in and you have the character development and you, you basically put the conflicts in and, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Is there anything put into your book that you find, uh, that, that you really want that's, that's an idea of yours? Because we know that, yeah, it may be science fiction, but there's people who read science fiction and the people who will go and create these things may be reading your books and, and creating that. Because think of like, you know, the hovering, the flying car that, you know, we can think of the Jetsons. That was, you know, ludicrous to those of us growing up in the early 70s. It was just, it was make-believe. We didn't think that somebody might make something like that in the future. So is there something of yours that you put in your books that, you want to see? Yeah, I would really love us to retain our humanity. And I think that that is a very big challenge because even today, uh, it seems like the world is meaner. It seems like people are angry. It seems like um, there is a lack of communication one-on-one -on -one with each other so we can try to understand one another. And even if we have different viewpoints, uh, it's okay. <laughs> Even if we have different cultures, it's okay. It should be because it's enriching. We learn from each other as we evolve. 
And so uh, for New Dawn, uh, with the New Dawn saga, I really have, I hope I have, and some people, some of my readers have said I have, created a world where there is um, the tech, there is the science, there is the, the, the coldness of a technologically advanced society, while there is the humanity of the human within the society. And so I have tried to put those components and make them surface as much as possible in the stories because it is important. I don't wanna wake up one day in a world that we no longer have made for ourselves. I wanna wake up one day in a world that has facilitated our dreams and our expectations and the things that we would like to see happen in our own lives because it's easier because now we don't have to deal with the mundane tasks that you know take so much of our time because the, the robots are taking it from us and now we can be creative and now we can we can allow ourselves to have more time for our families we can allow ourselves to have more time for our own dreams and our own evolution and our own growth that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see the technology and the science servicing us, not the other way around. How do we make it not let it make all the choices? How do we keep that humanity? It begins with us. If we today can't find our humanity as in the world that we have today, as it is today, how can we expect to find it 75 years from now when all our infrastructure are going to be run by AI? It's not possible. We're giving up the keys. And to me, that is where the challenge lies. And I believe that when you look at science today, science is made for us to evolve in a better way, to not, be, to not grow old and be sick to avoid uh, some of the health issues that we face, to take care of the pandemic so that we no longer have to work and live our lives in our home and we can still get together with friends and family. So those are the type of things that to me are so important, but it begins with us. If we give up um, understanding or communication or compassion, or the ability to relate to one another in any way, shape or form, like it's happening out there. What's the point? Might as well, I, I prefer then be in the end of a AI with no emotions than being at the mercy of people who act so badly or who are losing their own humanity because then you know, let's go back to <laughs> the terrible things we have seen during the wars. Yeah. We might as well, because that's all there is left. If we do that, we basically kill ourselves, I think, as a species, not just as human beings, but as a species. My parents were old enough to have, my father served in World War II, and my brothers served in, you know, Vietnam and on forth, and they thought they fought the wars to end all wars. And, and it does seem, I what I hear you saying is we as people have the power. So what is what can we do right now to, to hold on to our humanity? I think we have to let go of our frustrations. 
we have to let go. And, you know, it's hard to let go of something that makes you unhappy or angry or feeling that there is an injustice out there that is happening and that creates that barrier between whoever that might be. Um, and I think that we have to look around and look at our beautiful planet. And that's at least what I do when I find myself a little down or when I need a little bit of uh, recharging my battery or, you know, because when you write, you put a lot of, uh, of things out there. Uh, so you need to recharge at some point in time. And the only way that I can really truly do that is by looking at the magnificent planet that we have today, looking at the beautiful oceans, looking at the incredible mountains, looking at nature. And, and in doing so, maybe, you know, heal ourselves a little bit from some of the division and the antagonistic world out there. Uh, so we can let go. We can let go and think about the beautiful things and, and have some happiness in the moment because living in the moment is what life is about because we can't predict what is going to happen tomorrow to any one of us. But at least if we take the time to live in that moment, in that instant, and enjoy a good meal or enjoy a, a glass of wine or enjoy a friend and a cup of coffee, or tea, then we can let go of the bad things that we all face at one point in time or another, or at least maybe if it's not bad thing, it's the difficulties or the challenges or the, um, the complexity of our lives. It's not about money. It's, and it doesn't all take a whole lot of time to, you know, to get together, to talk with one another, to do what recharges you. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's just about, you know, reaching to one another and saying, hey, um, I haven't talked to you in a while. What's going on? Or how are you doing? And just sometimes it's just about listening, really, listening to the other. Even if we don't agree, even if we feel differently, I think that there has to be a, 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 the space to do that. And I don't think we are allowing the space to do that right now. Earlier, I, I heard you touch on the word ethics. Is mm -hmm. it is ethics? Would ethics be considered a choice, and us keeping a choice to have ethics, and that would uh, help carry our values and our humanity into the future? I, I believe so. I think it's a it's a, it's kind of like having a map, a roadmap to build upon, so that we can make the changes that are happening with science and with technology in a way where we do not lose all of our values. And it's, it's about, you know, I mean, hey, we all are born and we all die. That's a fact, okay? So at some point in time, does it really matter how much money you can accumulate over your lifetime? Because you're not gonna take it with you. You're gonna leave it behind no matter what. Okay, so you may leave it to your family or your kids, which is great. But greed, when it is driven by the sole purpose of accumulating more, and this is the, exactly what we see today happening with a lot of people, with a lot of companies, at some point in time, you have to say, stop. Can you even imagine or consider spending that much? 
How? How are you going to do it? So why are you doing it? There's got to be a point where enough is just enough, you know? And, and, and I think this is why you have laws. This is why you have values. This is why you put ethical consideration into the way you roadmap the things ahead so that you can put filters and say, you know, I don't think we should go this far. I think we need to live with more balance. Definitely. And I think uh, service to others definitely helps in whatever that be in, in being something to others, whether it be you're a writer, you're, you're, you're a creator, you create something, or whether it be you giving service to others through volunteering. I think that that is something very important to create something to give on behalf to others. Yeah, but because you can't, there is no way you can keep receiving, receiving, receiving without giving. It, it doesn't work. At some point in time, it's going to catch up with you. One way or the other, I, I thought about karma. You know, we talk about the word karma very much, uh, oftentimes. And in the end, I think it's very true that the law of the universe expect balance. Even if we don't see it, there is balance. Think about all the shapes that are geometrically identical in our world and in our universe they have to be created with balance. And if we can't find our own balance because we get too angry or we, we forget uh, some of the little things that make us happy, then eventually you explode. You can't keep doing it. It just, it, it does not work. What is the thing that you're most excited about as a futurist that may come within uh, your or my lifetime that we'll be able to see? There, there are many things I'm excited about, but one of them is um, what the healthcare industry is gonna be able to do for us as human beings. I think that science is gonna come to play where we will be stronger, healthier, live longer, have the ability to spend more time because things will be taken care of around us, more time with our family. Um, I feel that we're gonna have the opportunity to explore more and to discover more things and to grow. And I think that's possibly one of the things that excites me the most, not knowing exactly where we're going, but knowing that there is an evolution that is gonna lead us somewhere better if we put in place some of these ethical factors or uh, how can I say, the, the, the structure that allows us to do things for the better. What would you say it may be a misperception about a future? Well, I, I think futurists, each of us have an area where we become more expert at than another. And so, uh, you know, there are futurists who look simply on the side of engineering and the future cities that we will be, be able to build. 
uh, others look at the type of food we are going to have in the future uh, with some limitation based on global warming and some of the things that are going to change with the planet. Um, so we all have our expertise. And, and I think that one of the, the most interesting things for a futurist, at least for me, is to create scenarios. What happened if there is this and this and this? And what happened if there is this and this and this and this that takes place 30, 40, 50, 100, uh, 200, 300 years from now? And uh, yeah, creating, because, because when you think you create, when you think of something, when we imagine something, that's the beginning of what the creation process is. And if we can imagine it, one day it can be built. And so by pushing over the horizon line and looking ahead and saying, but I would prefer a society that lives this way, allowing people to flourish than a society driven by only greed or by technology or by, I mean, we have to put in a framework, a structure so that we as humans can evolve and keep up with the machines because that's going to be our big challenge. You know, the other day we, there was an experiment with some scientists uh, putting um, uh, multiple computers to talk to each other. And they realized that the computer began to talk to each other excluding the human element. So they had to turn off the computers because they were basically moving on with each other with their language and so on and so forth. And so if you don't put a structure to where we're going or what we want our world to be, I think we're going to basically lose our control, even though control is a relative world because uh, a re relative word, because we in reality have no control over anything. But, you know, uh, the framework that we want is, is that we want to see so that we can improve things is essential to even begin improving things. How does one become a futurist? I have always looked over the horizon. I've always looked at the trend and the shape of things to come. And whether that's in marketing, whether that's in business, whether that's in law, whether that's in it just technology and science, um, you, you research, you learn, and there are some futurists uh, who, you know, have, there is programs for futurists who can, you know, attend those and, and become expert in one field, one area. I mean, there's, there is so much about AI today that you can, you can do that for, you know, such a long time and, and dive into so many things about AI, but you can do the same thing with you know, technology or space and building, right, like Elon Musk building, you know, the next company for commercial space travel, which is exactly what he's doing today. 
I mean, no doubt we're going to be uh, in hotels in space. No doubt we're going to be on the moon and Mars and maybe even Jupiter, you know? So yeah, that's going to happen. I mean, maybe in 300 years or, or way sooner than that, I think. But, you know, it's exciting because what I love about science fiction and being a futurist by looking at the reality of science facts is that we can't think and stay in a box. You can never do that. We are not people. People are not meant to be in boxes. You know, we have so many facets to our personalities or to ourselves that if you decide to go in one direction, you can still pivot and make a change. And so I think that um, imagination allows us to go places while we can still remain in one location. And that's the beauty of science fiction, science facts. It, it allows us to do that and to create, keep creating uh, with ingenuity, with, with, with a certain goal, you know, to make things better. I love it. Well, what are some thoughts you'd like to leave us with before, uh, before we end our conversation? No fear. Let's not be afraid of tomorrow and let's not be afraid of the changes we see because there are many and there are many more that will come within five years. And a lot of times we don't see because it's insidious. They, they do not um, get implemented on a visual level or on a tangible level until they're there. And then it's a whole new mood of doing things that is being defined in front of us. And so it can be scary, but I think that change uh, allows us to keep learning, to keep growing, to, to keep exploring. And so I don't wanna be bored. I wanna keep exploring. Yes, it is. And uh, so I, do you have any uh, websites or any places that are uh, on the line that people can go and maybe find your work, read your books? Yes, um, actually they can all go to windemedia.net and get to the New Dawn Experience, which is uh, a new way of looking at life and the books are there and they can, they can buy that. Or my, my books are also on Amazon, so they can they can go there and find a New Dawn Roamers, which is the, the prequel to the series. And uh, then there is you know New Dawn Central and New Dawn System and so on and so forth. So yeah, New Dawn and uh, Wyndham Media. I'll definitely put those on the website. I'll, I'll send you the links if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're most welcome. And thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The We as Citizens podcast, because conversation matters.